if you take God's precious word and turn the book of Proverbs chapter 5 verse 14. Proverbs chapter 5 verse 14. See how far we get tonight. Last week we learned that the person who failed to heed the warnings of these Proverbs about committing adultery with this strange woman would eventually wish that he had or she had. That person would say, I didn't obey the voice of my teachers. I wouldn't listen to them when they were trying to help me. He would say these things. But the problem would be, it would be after the damage was already done. In verse 14 tonight, the adulterer continues to lament his poor decisions of not listening to his teachers. Saying, verse 14, I was almost in all evil. Now evil is talking about uh, bad things that happen. Okay, uh, In other words, he's saying, I almost lost everything. I came so close to completely losing my family, losing my honor in the community, losing my self-respect, losing everything I had worked for. Almost lost it all. Almost died or whatever it is. I mean, obviously he's still alive or he couldn't be lamenting. But he's looking back over his decision and over the outcome over it. He's saying, Man, I almost lost everything. In 1984, a movie was released called Footloose. Footloose. It told the story of a teenager from Chicago that moved to a small town, maybe one like Maybank, probably more one like Linton, Indiana, what some people call Farmville. But uh, this small town is a very conservative town. This teenage boy from Chicago comes in there. And in the small town, they had a city ordinance against dancing and rock and roll. It wasn't allowed in the city limits. The town looked up to a certain pastor who supported that city ordinance. But the pastor's daughter rebelled. She began acting foolishly. And she ended up falling in love and with the dancing boy from Chicago. The movie made the pastor look like a fool. Made the stupid teenagers look like the wise heroes in town. And a song in the movie described the relationship that the boy had with that pastor's daughter against the pastor's will. And it went something like this. Almost paradise. We're knocking on heaven's door. Almost paradise. How could we ask for more? I swear that I can see forever in your eyes. Paradise. And I found it interesting that the relationship based on rebellion against the church was described as almost paradise. Knocking on heaven's door. While the man here in the Bible who had the adulterous relationship, the sinful relationship, says it was almost complete ruin knocking on hell's door. Her feet take hold of hell, the scripture said. 
Sin always paints such a glorious picture of itself. Almost paradise. In fact, in the movie, the pastor is the one who repented. And he began dancing himself. Isn't that something? Young people, I'll tell you what sin is. Sin is death with a shiny coat of paint on it. That's what sin is. And that devil shines that paint, buffs it up. And then after he sold you on the paint job, he lets you experience the the rest by yourself. Now here's the saddest part. Here's the saddest part about this man's sorrow. The man said, I was almost in total ruin. Where? Look back in your text. In the midst of the congregation and assembly. This is the saddest part of all. The congregation and the assembly were the people of God. It's Israel. The promised land. Who were called together as God's people. Who were given God's law. Who had received God's covenants. And they're surrounded as a people around the tabernacle of God. To be in the midst of the congregation assembly of God was to be in the safest place in the world. You had the scriptures. That's where the priests of God were. That's where the most holy place was. That's where God dwelt. Was in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. God said, let them build me a tabernacle that I may dwell among them. Yet that is where the young man fell. He fell into sin in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. The devil fell in heaven surrounded by God and the holy angels. Adam fell in the Garden of Eden surrounded by all that was good. And this man fell. In the congregation, in the assembly of God, surrounded by God's word, God's prophets, and God's priests. And this means, if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. Here's a kingdom truth for you. Holy places don't make holy people. Holy places don't make holy people. He was in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. A holy place. The holy land. But holy places don't make holy people. This man was in the midst of the congregation. And if you're here tonight. Whether online or here in person. So are you. You're in the midst of the congregation. You're in the midst of the assembly. As they had been called together. To the tabernacle where God dwelt. We've been called together in Jesus Christ where God dwells. He was in the congregation. But the congregation wasn't in him. He wouldn't listen to the instruction of his teachers. It does you no good to be in church. Or to be raised up as a Christian. In a Christian home. If you don't take heed to what you're taught therein. This man did not. It doesn't matter what you're in. 
It matters what's in you. So that we could be delivered from the trouble of this fornication, the trouble of this adultery as this man had faced, Solomon gives us the conclusion of the whole matter. He says in verse 15, here's what you do. Drink waters out of thine own cistern. (laughs) Well, that's a good country way of putting it, isn't it? Drink waters out of thine own cistern. A cistern is a well that contains drinking water. When I go to work each day, I take three containers of fluid that I drink out of. This is one of them. It's left over from my work today. I put more in it when I got home before I came to church. Because when I come to church, I also take take, uh, drinking water with me. If I go uptown, I take drinking water with me. And I bet every day you're like me. You get thirsty, don't you? Every day I get thirsty for water. I crave water. And so do you. Even if you may not like it straight, you still want water. You want your water. Whether it's in a soda or in tea or in something else, your body has to have it so you crave it. And there's nothing wrong with craving that water. God designed us to crave water. God wants us to have water. God wants us to enjoy water. And human sexuality is like water. People naturally crave it. They get thirsty for male or female companionship. God designed us to want it. God wants us to have it. And he's telling us tonight to drink until we are full of it. Drink all the water you want, but drink it from your own well. That's like God told Adam. God never put a limit on how much Adam could eat. He put a limit on where he got his food from. You see? God doesn't starve his people. He says, have all you want. Of all the trees of the garden you may what? Scarcely eat. Freely eat. Have all the food you want. But you get it from here, don't get it from there. And this is what God is saying about human sexuality. Have that sexual relationship. Get all you want. But get it from your own well. When I used to visit my grandparents, if we were outside and got thirsty, we went to the well. We drank out of the well. I was one of those fortunate children who had the opportunity of having a, uh, a handle and a half a coconut shell to drink the well water with. How many of y'all got to do stuff like that? That's good memories, man. Drink out of that coconut shell out of that well. The dipper. But never once, when I was over there at their house and I got thirsty, never once did I think, well, I'll run down here, go to the neighbor's property down the road, and I'll drink out of there. It never even crossed my mind. That's their well. This was my grandparents' well. We, we drank out of our own well. And in the same way, God is saying, don't go to your neighbor's house and sleep with his wife. You drink from your own well. 
Solomon said, drink water from your own cistern. Look back in your text. And running waters out of thine own well. Running waters. That means trickling waters. Trickling waters. Now we know you don't go to a well and the, you don't put your ear up to the well and hear, hear running water like, like in the city or anything like that. It's talking about trickling waters. You see, when you, when you dig a well... Now, y'all are going to learn something tonight. You learn something. When you dig a well, it's not like there is a big pool of water under the ground. And you dig and you just reach that pool of water and you just suck water out of it. It's not like that. You, you have a water table. You have ground water. And all that water, it's like in the ocean. You can only go down so far in the ocean. Do you know why? Because water's heavy. So if you go down so far, then that's pressure on you. And it would eventually hurt you. It, uh, you that's why they have to have submarines to, to have that pressure off of the people inside. And so all this water that's in the ground, the weight of it causes pressure. And so when you dig down far enough and you tap down to that water table, you're opening up a hole. I mean, a lot of wells, their holes aren't any bigger than this. And, and now back then, of course, during Jacob's time, I, the holes were a lot bigger. But, but when you tap that hole into that water, then all the pressure from that water, it just starts flowing into the hole. And then you suck out from there, and then the, the pressure in the ground, it just keeps filling that vacuum and that hole that you created. And so it's trickling water, you see? It's water that's, that's there and that moves into your hole. It, it saturates the whole ground. If you had my grandparents here, and they got a well, and you go down the road down here, and they got a well, because back then everyone had wells. You go across the street, a ways, and they got a well. You know what? It's all the same water. It's all the same water. If, assuming that they've dug down the same depth. But what happens is, this is your hole, that's their hole, this is their hole over here. And so God supplies from that same grace. And He presses it into your hole. It's all the grace of God. It's all the same water. It's that God says, you'll receive my grace from here, but not from here. That's my grace to another man. That's my grace to another woman. He says, drink the flowing waters from your own well that God pours that water into. Drink what God provides you. God supplies His grace to us. He meets our needs. But He expects us to receive His grace from the wells that He provides. That's why the, 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 in the Ten Commandments we're told to not covet anything that is our neighbor's. Whether his ox or his ass or his manservant or his maidservant or his wife. 
Because to covet that is to, in your heart, be drinking out of another man's well. We should be content to drink out of the well that God provides. And if God hasn't given you a a, a wife, uh, then He'll provide one day, if that's His will. But if God has given you a wife, she's your well. If God's given you a husband, He is your well. You think, well, I'm not married, Pastor. I don't have a well to drink from yet. Well, you you know what you need to do? You need to go out and start digging. The Bible says, to keep from fornication, let every man have his own wife, and every wife have her own husband. Start digging, man. Go out and look for one. You say, well, I'm too young. Well, you know, wells, wells are deep. The good, the good water's deep. You know, it takes a while to dig deep, doesn't it? There's a guy I know I was talking to not too long ago. He decided when he built his home that he was going to save some money and he was going to get a shallow well to drink from for his house. This is just not too long ago. Well, they dug down deep and there was water. But there was also salt deposits. So the well company dug him the depth of the well that he wanted. They got the water and it's all salty. And now everything's rusting. And he's upset about it. You know what I told him? Drill down deeper. Drill down deeper. Say, well, it costs more. Takes more time. The water's worth it. Drill down deeper. If you're young, you say, well, well, you know, I want a husband or a wife, or I have, uh, I, you know, I, I have these desires, and one day I want to get married. Wait. If God hasn't given you a well, you know what that means? He didn't want you drinking that just yet. And you wait on God. You wait on And this is not just for sexual intercourse. This is for anything in life. You drink water out of your own cistern, and if you don't have a cistern, you start digging and start trusting and start praying. And if you're 14, 15 years old, you start digging that well today. I'm not saying get online, look for a wife at 14. I'm saying you start digging for a wife. When you're digging that well, you're preparing for water. And you start digging for your mate when you're young. I'm telling you, this is good advice. You'll listen to this, you'll be happy you took it. You start digging for your mate when you're young. And you start preparing yourself when you're young to be sexually pure when you get married, to abstain from fornication till you get your wife that God provides you, to be financially stable so you can get married and provide for a wife, you, you prepare yourself so that you will be able to be the spiritual leader in your home. Or if you're a woman, that you'll be spiritually compatible with a man who will be your spiritual leader. Start digging that well now. And you'll have you a deep hole by the time God gets ready to pour that water in it. And you'll be so glad you did, so glad you waited. That water will be cooler, sweeter, and cleaner. 
never been had you tried taking a shortcut. Now this is not only teaching us to drink from our own wells, but there's something tacitly taught here too. It means it's uh, not said, but it's definitely said. Okay, <laughs> doesn't have to be spoken, but it's definitely implied. It's not just teaching us to drink from our own wells, but it's teaching us that if we are a husband or a wife, then we are our spouse's well. And if God commanded your spouse to drink from his or her well, then God's commanding you to supply the water. That's Scripture. How, how can God tell a man, you go drink from your own well? And that man run over there and that well says, Nope, not from here. Nothing for you. I don't know if that got on the internet or not. I thought about that when I did that. He said, that'd be a sin. Wells are for a purpose. They're supply water. And if God's made you a well, then He wants you to have His water of grace. And there should never be a time when a husband or a wife, because they're, I don't know, either ungodly or angry or worthless or whatever they are, there should never be a time unless... There's just a physical, I mean, this person got just so sick, they, 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 they can't provide water. That's a euphemism, by the way, for you older people. Unless it's physically impossible, there should be water in your well. And if the well doesn't put out the water... And that man or that woman goes to his neighbor's well to satisfy his or her thirst. The person who went to his neighbor's well is guilty of adultery. The well that wouldn't put out the water is guilty of the same. Just as guilty of driving the man or the woman as the man who was driven away. Neither person is innocent. Both are guilty. And if your well does not put out the water, that does not excuse you to go to your neighbor's well. I'd rather die of thirst than drink from another man's well. There's no sin against being thirsty. There is sin against drinking from another man's well. Verse 16. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad. Now if you have a, perhaps a modern uh, version or perhaps a literal version, it will actually say the opposite. Or it will put form as a question. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad? As rivers of water in the streets? 
It's a negative, not a positive. He's not telling you, drink out of your own well and let your fountains be dispersed abroad. Because if your wife is the well, you don't want to share her with anybody. And so if you have a, uh, in fact, I want to read to you from a uh, more modern translation for this same verse. Let not your springs be flowing in the streets or your streams of water in the open places. In other words, keep your water at home. Keep your water in the well. And, and to do that, you put out the water. If, I, if, if your husband or wife is full of water at the house, they're going to be less likely to seek it from the neighbor's well. That's what Solomon is saying. Don't let your fountains be dispersed abroad. Look back in the text. And rivers of water in the streets. Verse 17. Let them be only thine own. So not only is he saying, drink from your own well. He's saying, don't let your well, the water of your well, get out in the streets. Don't let them go hunting and roaming out in the public places for someone to be satisfied therewith. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Now remember who he's talking about? He's talking about the strange woman. And so now he says, don't let the, let the waters be only yours and not strangers with you. And so there's a, 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 not only a command to abstain from what does not belong to you, but there's also a command to satisfy what does belong to you. To keep it at the house and to take just as much joy, just as much pleasure in obeying God in satisfying your spouse as in obeying God in being faithful to your spouse and not running around on them. And I think that's probably a good place for us to stop tonight. But uh, what amazing images God gives. If the well is yours and you don't go to your neighbor's well, then he's saying, hey neighbor, don't let your water trickle over onto your neighbor's land. You see? You keep by your well at home and you keep your water in your well. So be faithful to your spouse, not only to not cheat on them, but also to not give them a reason to cheat on you. What powerful, plain words. And I love how the Bible has these amazing euphemisms. You know, a euphemism in the English language is where you can say something very graphic, but not saying it graphically. And so uh, the Bible is so good at that. <laughs> And, uh, uh, and I just read this and I'm just amazed at uh, the powerful poetic word of God that hits down at home where we really need it. With that, we'll go ahead and close. Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us today. Thank you, Lord, for making us wells. Not just wells of sexuality, but wells of all manner of your grace. To satisfy the God-given needs of our spouses. 
the God-given needs, Lord, of the, the men and women of God in all various forms of grace. But Lord, you remind us once again tonight, thou shalt not covet anything that is thy neighbor's. Help us, Lord, in our hearts to drink from our own well. Help us, Lord, to drink freely as Adam was allowed to eat freely in the garden. But to mind, Father, that we get it from the well you provided. We ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Don't forget to pray for Matthew and Brandy as well, um, who Brand Matthew had had uh, head injury here recently.